Wife wants to shave her head. I may get a lot of hate for this post, but here goes. My wife, for some reason, has always hated her hair. It's curly and dark brown, and I absolutely love it. Mm. She told me that she hates dealing with it and wants to shave it and just wear wigs. I would be okay with it, but I have a strange phobia about wigs. If I'm ever around one, I start to almost vomit. I've done this all my life since I was a child. I think it's because my uncle jumped on me and scared me wearing a mask that had a wig on it, and the hair was all in my face, and I got stick. Sorry, I got sick and cried. Mm. I remember it vividly. I want her to be able to wear them if it would make her happy, but I don't know how I could get over the phobia. I love laying in bed and running my hands through her hair, and she likes it too. So I feel like she would regret shaving her head. Any thoughts and advice is much appreciated. Kyle in Style 97. Oh, man. What a question. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. I I mean, I really respect and appreciate the way that Kyle started the question off by, you know, putting forward that disclaimer about maybe he's going to get some shit for it because, you know, uh, obviously it's it's her decision. Um there's but, a history of uh, men controlling women's bodies that people are uh, right to uh, be tense about when they hear somebody making a request like this, right? Exactly, exactly. A gut reaction from most readers. But I think that the way that he articulates the details of it and the way that he shares that, you know, he wants her to be happy. <clears throat> Excuse me. He wants her to be happy and he's also looking back fondly on moments where together they've enjoyed her hair. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's really sweet. I think it's really tender. And I think you really get a sense that his, his head and his heart are in the right place. So then it comes down to, okay, how do we deal with the phobia? And then how do we articulate to his wife, the, the nuances of the argument Yeah. Well, I think you tell her about the phobia and what this means to you. Mm -hmm. um, that's step one in my mind. And she will probably still want to cut off her hair, but she may feel a stronger urge or, you know, we don't know her reaction. I don't know how strong her impulse is to cut off this hair. So mm -hmm. it's possible that she hears that and still wants to do this and just recognize it's a higher cost to you. And um, I think that there are things that you can do to try to make wigs less threatening. Yeah. Um, some exposure therapy. Um, having wigs around in otherwise pleasant situations to try and defang them a bit, make them yeah. less threatening. What yeah. do you know about that? Yeah. So I think that that's a great place to start um, to maybe go out and buy a wig together and really sit with it and not put it on anyone's head, not bring it to life yet, but just to sit with it as an inanimate object and breathe to mm -hmm. start. Because I think what you're explaining is that what was so scary about it was the fact that it was being worn by someone who jumped on you and attacked you and then you couldn't 
you couldn't get out of the situation and the wig was like in your face and that would be really scary. I mean, I totally get that. So it makes sense that you have even a physical reaction to it. And so you're going to have to start to peel back the layers of that pretty slowly and in pretty, as Rob said, like low stakes environments in an otherwise- You start with a picture of wigs. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You could even start that that far away from an actual wig. Um, Yeah. And maybe as you're observing the wig or the picture of the wig, just sort of list what you see. Describe what do I see? What do I feel? Paying attention to what's going on in your body as you're observing the wig. Um, If you're feeling fear bubbling up, if you're feeling anxiety, if you're feeling... uh, terror. I mean, listen, listen to the volume of the fear that you're feeling. Cause that's mm-hmm. going to be a really important indicator of, okay, do I need to move further away even from this object? Do I need more distance from it? Um, do I need more security in my environment? Cause you don't want to get to a place where you're stricken with terror or, you know, on the verge of being physically sick. You want to expose yourself to the stimulus in as non-threatening a way as possible with a really sort of low grade response as you tune in. I want to recommend finding somebody to to do exactly what Morgan says and try to be mindful of your reactions to the uh, phobia trigger, the wig in this case, Um, and then express it to somebody who you trust who is not your wife. Mm. Um, Because having her... Having her support, I think, is important, but having her um, involved in every uh, detailed step of the way could make this more difficult for her, cause her more guilt than you Mm. want. Um, So if you had a friend, a therapist, a family member who remembers your uncle, perhaps, in a a similar light to you, um, I think it would be great to ask for support from somebody who's not your wife to uh, express these things too. And that will, I believe, start to remove some of the power from them. Not looking at, I I think you're already doing great by just posting a story up on Reddit and um, including that memory of uh, being jumped on. Um, Yeah, if you can recount other times that you've seen wigs after that. And um, another exercise that comes to mind is writing that uncle a letter about Mm. just that you don't send, but just writing everything down, how you felt about it, and then what kind of a response you'd want to get from the uncle. And then if we're getting into some kind of um, drama, psychodrama or a drama play, but like if you could find somebody who was willing to apologize as that uncle and read the response that you wanted to get from them, that might also... Uh, give you some catharsis about this or make it less of a scary thing to be avoided. Yeah. I, I think a lot of the fear comes down to the the lack of control and almost being like choked by the wig. Like that's the image that I got. Um, so the more that you can get empowered around your experiences with wigs or feel like you're in the driver's seat with them and that it's, it's not something that's happening outside of your control, I think that will lead to more success. And I think that's why it's really important to be able to voice your opinions with your wife so that this doesn't feel like something that's just being thrown on you. Um, 
and I, I if you're if you're uh done rob talking about the wig piece i want to transition into the wife and mm-hmm. the hair a little bit sure um okay cool so I am someone who uh, has thick, unruly, curly hair, and many, many times I have wished to cut it all off out of sheer frustration with it. Um, And so I really understand where that impulse is coming from. Um, I I haven't gone so far as to do that. I I did shave um, either side of my head at one point. I had that for about a year, and I just had like sort of the middle strip. It was kind of an attempt to have basically only a third of the amount of the hair. <laughs> I thought that that would, that would make it a little bit easier to manage. Um, but I really struggled with the period of it growing back in. Um, and over the years I had also had lots of haircuts where, you know, it was too short and I wished the hair was back and I'm not trying to dissuade your wife from doing this or give you an ammunition to talk her out of it. Um, but in case you feel like you're listening to this and it might be a good experience for you both to listen to this together. Um, I think it, it, I want it to provide you and her with some empathy for just how difficult it is to have hair like that. That's just always frustrating. You can't, again, you can't control it as, as easily as straight hair. Um, it's just this constant thing, this animal on your head that is, uh, needs adjusting and, and is bothering you. And sometimes you can't focus on things because you know, your hair is doing something weird. (laughs) Um, and just wanting to reject it entirely. I, that impulse, I totally understand. Um, but I think it is really important before you make a big decision like that to really think through the consequences and not, not from a negative standpoint of like in a punishing way, but just what are actually the outcomes that will happen? And this is where it becomes important for both of you, as you said, to revisit those memories of when has my hair been something that has been a really pleasant sensory experience for us? When do I like how my hair looks? Um, what am I going to miss about it? Really kind of honestly mourning it a little bit and starting to go through that grief process before you actually cut it all off so that you can touch in on what might it be like once you cross that threshold. Um, Mm -hmm. And then if you do decide to cross that threshold, get excited about the possibilities of what the new thing will look like. What wigs are you excited to buy? What hairstyles are you excited to try out? Um, And what can be sexy or intimate about touching someone's head where there isn't hair on it. It's really just their head. Um, There's a lot of interesting stuff to explore. Go ahead. Sorry. uh, Imagine uh, throwing your wife in the pool. If you're near (laughs) a pool and she doesn't have her cell phone on her part, you asked to borrow her phone for a second. No longer does she have the, oh, now my hair is wet and it's going to stay this way (laughs) for hours. So that's one thing that you could do more often. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it is, it is, uh, tough to not think of yourself in the equation of your wife making this dramatic change to your physical appearance. Like, you know, when I've dated people and they've, they've, they've let me in on discussions about their hair or their facial hair, like, do you want me to shave or do you want me to have a full beard? And, you know, I've had the privilege to date people that are caring enough to 
involve me in those discussions and I've always really appreciated it. And I, I usually do have opinions. And while I recognize that it's obviously their decision at the end of the day, it's their bodies, it's how they feel about themselves. Um, I've always really appreciated being considered in that discussion. Mm -hmm. And so I think that you guys have a great opportunity again to, to build intimacy and for you guys to demonstrate your care about each other in the way that you approach this conversation, balancing that line of, you know, what do you like? What do you like? What, um, how is this going to make you feel? And acknowledging that, that still there's that, you know, we, we, we all have the right to decide how we want to show up in the world and, and how we want to show who we are on the inside with, how we present ourselves on the outside. And it can be a really sensitive topic for that reason, because our, how, how, how we dress, um, how we style ourselves. And for me, especially how my hair is, is such a sensitive thing. And it's something that I've identified with so much over the years. And so opening that conversation up with, with the sensitivity that you demonstrate in the way that you write this question, I think is going to be really positive regardless of what the final decision is. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So and good luck. <laughs> if she does, if she cuts it off and you're missing that in bed, uh, running your fingers through her hair, you can rub her scalp still. That feels great. Directly stimulates the same place that, you know, we don't actually have feeling in our hair. Mm -hmm. Um, and that might be a new thing that you develop a sentimental attachment to over time. Might be a little bit weird at first, but mm. might might find that um, it's something about her, and you just associate the hair with her. But if she didn't have the hair, you'd find a new thing to associate with her that you romanticize. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Like find a new area of her skin that you can touch and enjoy, and enjoy the softness of. And before before the hair goes, smell it. <laughs> you could keep the I don't know what her plans are for the hair but that could be the first wig that could be maybe less threatening than others because you know it is it's the hair that you're used to just off of her head and then that could be a stepping stone wig of getting used to wigs yeah yeah well good luck good luck free advice Hey, free advisees. Welcome to episode 52 of the Free Advice Podcast. That's Morgan Beard. And that's Rob Zaleski. Coming in fresh and hot and shirtless. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. She's got me on FaceTime right now. And she happens to notice I am not wearing too much of a shirt. Your shirtless bare chest is taking up 33% of my screen. <laughs> uh -huh. It's a delight to be had by all, except you guys. You guys are missing out. Sorry. Don't be. Google me. I'm sure they're on the internet. <laughs> if you email us and you want a shirtless picture of Rob, I'm I'm sure there's some kind of deal we could work out. Oh yeah. I'll I'll sign it. <laughs> I'll get one of those metallic sharpies. We'll get a glossy photo, eight by ten. Yeah. Low, low price. Yeah. I have metallic sharpies, so I got you. 
Oh, perfect. Yeah. Whew. So, what kind of advice would you like today? You need a second to think about that? I could ask for some. Okay. I got Hulu recently. <laughs> I got Hulu for the first time. Oh, you didn't have Hulu. I didn't know that. Never had Hulu. Um, we got a month of it. Okay. Some new... Uh, really what it was is a, a friend recommended the show Dave to me mm. and said that it is exactly what he thinks that I would make. And I was off put by this <laughs> by this recommendation. Like, ah, I don't know if I want to watch something that somebody else identifies me as. Mm. I'm going to be very critical of the show. So I watched the first scene of it last night and then switched to South Park and um, hmm. Nathan for you. But um, do you have Hulu recommendations? I know you've had Hulu. Well, yes, but I also want to ask about what you just what? told me. What do you need to ask? Well, yeah, I mean, I'm curious. Do you feel like it in some way like takes away from your perception of yourself as unique or what's threatening about a show that, you know, is occupies your sensibilities in that way? If it's truly exactly like me, then what's there left for me to do? Right. You know, right. if it's like exactly what I would have done, then I, I, you can't put out two of the same thing. So I doubt that that's true, but, yeah. um, yeah, I just, I think, uh, what was your question? <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, Ooh, oh, it, oh, you, wow. You, you missy. No, I just, <laughs> I, yeah, I just, well, when, like sometimes when you, when you ask someone a question like that, um, and they kind of like lose their train of thought, it can be an indication that there's a lot That's there. That's when you really got them. It's, it can be an indication. There's a lot there. That you really got them. No, I mean, it's not about getting them. It's not adversarial. <laughs> Sounds like you got me. <laughs> <laughs> Look, if you want to frame it that way. That's and fine. I do. Um, yeah. yeah. There's a lot there. Yeah. Sure. I mean, look at a mirror and tell me there's not a lot there. <laughs> right? Right. Right. It's a little dicky, right? It's a little dicky. Mm -hmm. The first scene is him at the doctor talking about how his entire dick is made out of ball skin skin um, and how he's managed to keep this a secret from everybody forever. Uh huh. Um, and uh, the the show description described him as a neurotic 20-something uh, determined to be the best rapper of all time. Mm. And I was like, I don't want to dig into my neuroses. Could be, <laughs> could be healing, though. I don't know. Um, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I've always just found him kind of annoying. Like, yeah. I understand. I understand. And especially when you're looking at something through the lens of not only is this how someone else, one person specifically, at least in my life sees me, but, but then, yeah, you're, then you're looking for all the ways like, well, uh, I'm not like this and I'm not like that. You're trying to differentiate mm -hmm. yourself and it becomes like a project rather than something to just enjoy because there are interesting parallels. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna give it another shot. Yeah. I'll watch past that. But um, Nathan for you is fucking brilliant. <laughs> I love that show. I don't know what it is. Oh, dude. For for you as a person who gives people advice, uh -huh. he gives he he plays a consultant on like a 
reality show that um, is supposed to overhaul people's businesses, kind mm. of like a business makeover. We're going to give you this new strategy. Mm-hmm. So um, one of them from the episode I watched last night was, you know, Pink's Hot Dogs. I yeah. see it uh, mm-hmm. driving to you Yep. Um, in L.A. He gave them a plan to allow people to cut the line if they're in a hurry. Mm. And then there was an acceptable list of reasons why people could cut the line, like a doctor's appointment or um, they're an air traffic controller late for work. <laughs> three other things. Uh-huh. But then he like actually verifies that the people who are cutting in line have the thing and he like catches right. somebody cheating on it. Okay. And so then he plots a revenge scheme. Wow. The person who cheated, like he follows them in his car and then he brings them onto a boat in the middle of the ocean and then he... Like he stages a kind of an intervention or a confrontation from the people in line who got cut by that guy are all on the boat too. And then they complain to him about like how he, he made them wait longer oh and like God. they could have lied, but they were following the rules. Wow. It's just, wow. it's, he plays um a person who is very unaware of social norms and like mm-hmm. thinks that he's cool and then gets people to agree to harebrained schemes for their businesses Mm-hmm. And makes the it, it's kind of like showing um, how people are willing to agree to anything that a TV producer like gives them a thumbs up for, like yeah, 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 say it like I this, see. and then people will just go along with it to be on TV. I see. It's interesting because the the premise for those people that had to wait extra long is that it was a waste mm-hmm. of their time, and then they're being <laughs> called out to be on a boat for a long <laughs> intervention process. That's. That's the humor. Sometimes the show can feel mean, like mm-hmm. everybody on it is the victim of a prank, but then you remember that they're getting paid and all of the businesses do better because of their appearance on this show. Like they see an uptick because the show is much bigger than they knew that it was when they were at least originally filming it. Wait a minute, wait a minute, um, wait a minute. This is nonfiction? It's really, he. yes, it's really the people who owned Pink's Hot Dogs in LA. Oh, um, my God. with. Yeah, it's it's all real. Oh, wow. Except I he's fiction. probably playing more of a character. Like his character is super um he just goes to extreme lengths. He's very petty and mm. uh doesn't follow <laughs> You could say that he, the character may have some type of autism or is trying to play somewhere in that realm. Um it's okay. unclear. But um yeah, there are real places, real businesses in L.A. that participate in this. Wow. Okay. All right. Interesting. That's my recommendation. Okay. And that's on Hulu or no? That's on Hulu. Okay. Hulu. As well as South Park. You got your Rick and Morty. There's a lot on Hulu mm-hmm. I found out last night. Mm-hmm. And things like The Simpsons. I didn't know some programs could be double uh, booked across streaming services such as Disney Plus has The Simpsons, so does Hulu. Mm-hmm. Futurama, cool. if you're in that up that alley, Futurama. Bob's Burgers, all of those are on Hulu as well. Yes, yes, yep. great. Yeah, um, that's fantastic. So I will ask you for some advice. That's totally okay. A 180 or a right turn from what we're talking about now. Great, um, people were tired of that. <laughs> it's time to switch switch it up. <laughs> Um, so as you know, I have decided to take a month off from dating anything Mm, romantic, um, no flirty text exchanges, no swiping, no 
Instagram chats with people mm-hmm. who that's sort of the angle, um, discontinuing seeing quote unquote, with seeing in quotes <laughs> because of the quarantine, anyone who I was seeing in quotes. Um, mm-hmm. and so I'm doing this for the full month of May. It is May 4th. So this is technically the fourth day. I started a couple days in advance after deciding this, but, um, so last night I had one of many, you know, just regular old run of the mill, sort of just lonely moments mm-hmm. happens in quarantine. It happens not in quarantine. Um, I had one last night too. Yeah. Yeah. So I just had one of those times where it felt like, okay, I'm signing up for a lot more of this and the anxiety of sometimes it feels like the anxiety of just it being, uh, the, the, the fear of it going on for a long, long time and being uncontrollable is almost worse than just dealing with the individual experiences. Um, and you know, we've talked about, okay, I'm going to reach out to certain people that I'm friends with like yourself. Um, but I'm wondering what other recommendations you have for dealing with these moments of loneliness and having a hunger for a special kind of connection. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for your vulnerability uh, in the question. You're welcome. Um, first thing that comes to mind is just thinking about it as one day at a time um, and not looking at the whole mountain of the month or mm-hmm. the length of the quarantine, but just, okay, can I make it through today? answer will probably be yes. Mm-hmm. Um, just narrowing the focus. Um, and one thing to help with that is, okay, what else can I do today? Come up with alternatives. Um, and I could suggest some, but I think it might be more helpful to ask you, mm. what, what kinds of things can you feel some type of connection to the thing that you're doing? that don't mm. involve any kind of flirting or romantic interaction? Yeah. Um, that's a good question. I think, I think some of, <clears throat> some of my response fluctuates depending on what time of the day it is. Like certain, certain times of day are easier than other times of day for me. Um, I usually have sort of a late afternoon slump and then a, you know, dinner and after is just sort of like a descent. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Especially if I don't have a specific virtual, in this case, social plan. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, some things that I can do that, that make me feel less lonely and more connected. Sometimes TV is a good thing. And sometimes TV makes me feel like such a sloth. And so, yeah, like it can be nice to be amidst familiar voices or, you know, up, uplifting scenarios or something that's making me laugh. Um, but sometimes it, it takes me kind of farther away from myself in a way that feels like I'm avoiding something and and there's a bit of pain to that. And so the activities yeah. that kind of <clears throat> the activities that are the antidote to that, I would say, are ones where I'm relating to myself in a way that's connected, but also positive and not, not just relating to myself in a way of like, Oh, 
we're sad, we're lonely, let's take care of this emotional wound. Um, but maybe something like where I'm, I just looked over at my keyboard and I'm thinking, oh yeah, like it's something that seems daunting sometimes to be like, oh, okay, I'm going to like practice this new instrument where I don't have a lot of skill yet. But when I get to see myself delight in the little moments of getting better at it or discovering Mm -hmm. something that does really put me in a very different frame of mind. And I'm not thinking about what I'm missing. I'm thinking about this is, this is enjoyable and enjoyable in a very sort of fulfilling way. Yeah. I, um, I recommend what I would like to be doing and what I I think you might Mm. enjoy, which is to, um, put on some type of instrumental music and freestyle over that, whether that's Mm. singing, talking, rapping, just making noises, you know, it could be scat, Mm -hmm. but, um, just kind of like opening that valve and giving yourself the, all right, I'm going to do this for five minutes or I'm going to do this for the length of this song. Yeah. And I'm just going to continue letting things out, practicing like a non-judgmental release yeah. of you just have to say something, you have to express something. Um, I think that's a- akin to the morning pages that I told you that I've been doing, mm-hmm. um, but in like a more activating way and probably faster than you can handwrite. Mm-hmm. Um, so potentially more opportunity to stumble upon things that, you have been avoiding because you're just, all right, I'm just sort of um, raking through my subconscious to do this. Um, And if you feel tempted to watch TV and it's starting to feel bad, maybe making a deal with yourself, uh, the pre-Mac principle where you pair a desired behavior um, with and as a reward for a behavior that you're avoiding doing, but think would be good for you. Mm. So you could like play the, you know, um, work on a section of a song until you can do it correctly twice in a row and then watch TV or especially like something that's more sedentary. I find I enjoy so much more after I've moved or had an intense physical experience, whether that's a hot bath, cold bath, cold shower, um, run, push-ups, calisthenic routine, uh, dance for a certain amount of time in your apartment, and then um, be still. I enjoy that stillness so much more than if I like roll out of bed, sit somewhere for a long time, sit somewhere else for a long time, which I can relate to. That, that's that been my experience more lately than is usually the case, and I enjoy those things less, I think, as a result. Yeah, I think that's great advice. And I, sometimes what I've started doing is kind of the opposite of that, which is I'll tell myself, okay, like you can put on the TV, but use that as a container or just background noise while you do something else. Like, okay, I'm going to put the TV on, but then I'm going to like take my guitar out and just kind of aimlessly, you know, jam or Mm -hmm. play a little bit just while I'm watching TV without any expectations for myself. Or I'll just, you know, start to do some push-ups while I'm watching TV or, Mm -hmm. you know, turn the TV on and start to put away clothes that are loose. Um, it, it's, it can take the place of the natural emotional regulation that we get out of being with other people that helps us to kind of pick up and move on. Um, just having that activity in the background. 
Yes, this uh, that's what I hope people use our podcast for is to yeah. just put this on and allow themselves to be doing other things. You don't have to be paying attention the entire time, but hopefully they can hear that. Okay, here's two people who love each other and who get along well and are having like a welcoming social interaction. You know, if there was a third person here that was joining in on this conversation, we'd be excited to hear what they have to say and listen to them. And I yeah. hope that it can like just kind of create that mood for people. And um, yeah, if you find TV shows that do that for you or podcasts, audio programs, movies, I think that that's great. Um, there, I, I think it's better if you take some time every day to not have that. I, I can compulsively do that from the moment that I wake up, like mm. want to start playing YouTube videos or podcasts or something just to, mm-hmm. um, so I think some sacred time without that is good. Uh, and will help you appreciate it more when you do have those things back. Yeah. A, a rule that I like to follow loosely mm-hmm. as far as that at, is I kind of think of it as like, I try to, um, to not, do the most stimulating thing first and kind of gradually build up through less stimulating things towards Mm. what's more stimulating Mm -hmm. because then you kind of like burn your receptors out for like, okay, if you start the day by being on your cell phone and watching TV and having a computer on, it's like, there's nowhere to go from there. What did you say? Chocolate cake? Chocolate cake. (laughs) Yeah. Like the rest of your meals that day, won't <laughs> compare you'll well, be bored yeah. by the carrot and it's like it's also the rule for uh either a wine or a cheese tasting which is that you start with oh. something lighter and then you move to sure. something more heavy more full-bodied more flavorful mm-hmm. like with so with cheese you start with something that's more mild and then you get to richer flavors um because then that way you're you're allowing your senses to tune into the subtleties of the mild flavors and mm-hmm. then you're moving into the other stuff that would overwhelm your palate if you started with that. And then you wouldn't be able to appreciate the lighter, uh, the lighter tastes and the subtler flavors. Have I ever convinced you to try a cold shower? <laughs> Have I? <laughs> I've, I've, done, I've done a couple of like moments of uh, lower temperature in, in the shower, but not really cold. Straight up as cold as it'll go. No, I, no, I, I no. Mm-mm. No, I haven't. You have not yet convinced me. I'm not trying to say no in a way of like, no, I would never do it. No, ever. No, nah. yeah. but it's certainly coming out that way. Cause I do, I have, I definitely have a fear of cold water. I hate it. Cause um, it, what would happen if you felt cold water? I have, I am afraid. And I think this boils down to, so similar to Kyle, our first ask, question asker, <laughs> yeah. I'm like going back in my brain thinking, okay, what, what is the thing that this comes from? Um, I have, I have a fear that once I am cold, I will not be able to get warm again. So I, Mm. I struggle to deal with the temporary experience of being cold for fear that it will not resolve it. Um, and I think that that's from being forced into experiences at, at different ages of being younger where either I was unable to do something to warm myself or I was, you know, inappropriately clothes for the situation or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, Or in a freezing cold water for way too long. Um, 
so I think that I, again, kind of front load the experience with the fear of, oh my God, it's going to last forever. Just like the loneliness thing. It's like, oh my God, I can't deal with being lonely for five minutes because I have this, it, it goes to this slippery slope where I think I'm going to be lonely for a lifetime <laughs> forever, yeah. <laughs> which obviously is not true, but it, it's built into your fear story. Right. I, I think that there's some, some emotional boost that I get from facing that type of fear of, mm-hmm. it's like a, a stoic philosophy, I think, to mm. sleep on the floor, uh, to learn that, oh, the consequence of the thing that I feared of being homeless or whatever it is, is actually not that bad to sleep mm-hmm. on the floor. Like you can do it. You're, you're fine. Then you have a day. And, um, so he would do that regularly, like remove all luxuries and niceties. I think there's something that feels so good and, um, empowering. Like I learned to trust my, my body will heat me mm. and my heart will start pounding faster. I'll breathe heavier and all of that activates me in a way that keeps me warm. And then when I dry off from that cold shower, man, do it. I feel very good, very alive. And uh, watching TV after that, <laughs> maybe smiling a little bigger, let me tell you. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's great. That's great. Thank you. So do we want to take on another oh, yeah. question from a listener? Yeah. Question listener. from a listener. <laughs> Future listener. Um, I got a question right here. Lana 077 asks, how do I survive my toxic parents during this quarantine? Mm. It's been two months and it's taken a lot of energy and tears to get through. Anything with my mom turns into a fight. That's all we got. Wow. Um, you got to fill in the details in your Lana, mind. Lana, I relate so hard and I... Um, I feel so grateful that I'm not quarantined with my parents and I have all the empathy in the world for you being quarantined with your family. I don't know how old you are, but uh, being if you're if you're an adult that's then gone back into your original home environment or if you're uh, you know, you've you've always been in that environment either way, it just wears on you. And especially when you don't have other places to go to reset, to vent, to have other experiences where then you can come back with renewed strength. It just, yeah, as you said, it just, it wears you down and there's just kind of nowhere to run and you're just raw all the time and everything becomes a fight because emotions are on high for all the parties involved. It is an extremely, extremely difficult experience. Yeah, this is tough. Um, A lot of energy and tears and fighting. Mm -hmm. All I can think of is finding some mental escapes, uh, Mm -hmm. listening to music with headphones on. If you can't physically leave the place, um, things that can change your state of mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is where you can exercises coming to mind again if you can uh, really exert yourself and feel that activation it may uh, 
make something like the snippy con comment that your mom made not as uh, as hurtful mm. if you've just breathed hard and had your heart rate up um i think your body needs to do that some and, and another thing is learning to see your parents as imperfect individuals who are struggling and mm. who also are yeah faced with a real challenge right now and um it may not feel fair that they have all of this power or control over you. Um, but if you can start to see them that way and not think in terms of how they should be, um, it can help you uh, let go of some of the lingering uh, pain that happens after a fight. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. Um, I I love your recommendation of finding spaces that can feel private spaces Mm -hmm. that can feel like an escape. And so maybe if you have your own room, you really focus on, okay, how can I adorn this room and things, or just set an intention about this room where this is my sanctuary and this is a place where I go to recharge and restore myself. This could even be the bathroom. This could be a shower that you take every day where you just breathe and you let the water hit you and maybe you close your eyes. And you can even use visualization if you don't have that Mm -hmm. much privacy in your physical space where you can close your eyes and imagine yourself in the most beautiful environment that you can possibly think of, something that feels really safe, something that feels really lush to you. Like it could be a beautiful rainforest, which you can aid with, you know, nature sounds, which you can find everywhere these days, long, high quality tracks. Um, you know, it could be the beach, um, whatever kind of place is soothing. You can even go back and, and uh, sort of build a space out of a memory that you have that's pleasant. Um or even imagine having a conversation with someone who you don't have access to right now that's a soothing presence to you, someone that you have a very uncomplicated, loving relationship with. And just imagine dialoguing with that person about, you know, I'm really struggling with my relationship with my mom right now. I'm struggling to find peace in this environment and see what wisdom you can get out of that imaginary conversation. Sometimes mm-hmm. our subconscious will really surprise us with what it's able to tell us, what wisdom it's able to share through the skin of imagining that it's coming from someone else. And then that can kind of potentially feel like you're actually having an outside conversation and you're actually getting external support um, to deal with these relationships that you're struggling with. Another thing that can help, um, especially with relationships that are toxic, and, and I don't know obviously the specifics, but At a time where you guys are not elevated and fighting, at a time where things are just kind of okay, that's a good time to initiate a straightforward conversation about, hey, you know, it's been really tense and I'm I'm really kind of struggling to get enough space to feel like I can show up in a way that's healthy. So I would really like to set you know, this boundary. I don't know. I don't know what boundary will make you feel more secure. Maybe it's, you know, my mom never knocked on my door. She would just barge right in as if my privacy didn't matter at all. Um, 
So maybe it's a rule about how she enters your sanctuary, how she enters your space or how she initiates a conversation with you. And again, it's really important to have this kind of conversation when neither of you are already activated um, in a negative emotion, like angry or afraid or sad, um, because then it becomes something that gets defended against versus, hey, let's create a solution to a problem that we're both experiencing and let's create a win-win that person might feel like they're already being criticized right out of the gate. Um, yeah, that's, that's a strand of <laughs> advice that I can put a period at the end of and ask Rob what he thinks. <laughs> I think that's great. I, yeah, I appreciate it. I admired you while I was watching you answer the question. Mm. I was like, this is, I'm happy that she's taken this angle. Um, <laughs> I didn't know I was going to until I started talking. (laughs) (laughs) Um, When you're in the fights themselves, I think um, trying to play a game with yourself where you label the physical reactions you're feeling. If your mom says something that angers you, that might mean that your jaw stiffens or your lips press together, or you might feel like a a heat in your chest. Um, One thing if you're just trying to get through those and uh, like survive to, to get to the other side of this quarantine, one technique that might be helpful is something that Carla McLaren calls resourcing, which is finding a part of your body where you do feel stable in moments that you might overall not feel stable. You might feel really uneasy or anxious or like you're about to explode or just, ah, um, maybe your thigh, maybe your knee, maybe it's your elbow some part of you that feels calm and try to just focus your uh, attention to there and take in a deep breath and imagine that you're sending energy. Like imagine that you are coming from that place, uh, like you're starting there in your body. That's where your consciousness is. Um, And that can help just take the edge slightly down um, on a moment that feels really tense and just makes you want to scream or, uh, be somehow more explosive with your, uh, with your mother. Yeah. That's, that's great advice. I love that. Thanks. Um, yeah. Carla McLaren, author of the art of empathy, a book we've praised many times on this show. If you feel like that's something that you're interested in learning more about, we highly recommend that book. It's a great book. Yeah. Yeah. The first 85% that I've read. (laughs) I have finished it and there are definitely chapters and a lot of, a lot of books like this or if that self-help nature will, will start talking about a subject in a way that's more generalized and and widely applicable. And you feel like, wow, I'm really like loving this book. And there's so many things I can apply. And then the later chapters get into more specific scenarios that you're not necessarily as connected to. That's kind of like parenting. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of how I felt about it. That's kind of how I felt about ethical slut. Um, same kind of thing at chapters on Mm -hmm. like parenting where it's like, okay, this doesn't really apply to me. Um, but yeah, losing yourself in a book. That's another great recommendation. Um, Mm -hmm. anything where you can kind of not to a dissociative extent, but where you can kind of go into your own little world and again, feel secure in the walls of that. And it can be really hard if someone is not allowing you that privacy and that's where Mm -hmm. the boundaries come in where it's like, you guys have to find a way to have alone time and 
the more the more alone time you get, the more you can actually get out of each other's hair and both of you get some restoration, the friendlier it can be when you do reconvene and and the easier it is I've I've found in my relationships with people that have been of a toxic nature that when I get my needs met outside of the relationship, I can often go back to that relationship with more of an openness to accepting it as it is and finding the things that are okay about it and are pleasant. Um, for example, now that I have not lived with my mom for a very long time, we've found things that we can connect on and enjoy each other through like talking about my pet rabbits or doing a crossword puzzle. And it's, it becomes less about the things that we vehemently disagree on. Yeah. But it can be hard to get to that point. I've found that, um, my, all of my challenging relationships, uh, become a bit easier to deal with when I feel that I have some element of control and, uh, mastery in another realm of my life, independent of that person. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I'm on top of some fitness goal or learning some new skill or, um, making money in a better way or, or making new friends, then yeah, it's easier for me to, um, feel less wrapped up in like, like I, I don't identify so much with the struggles, the people who challenge me. Um, I, I have like a, a defense against that and, uh, I'm calmer in my interactions with them compared to moments where there's a lot out of my control and I can't seem to, um, see growth in any area, mm. those, those interactions just get much tougher. So right, unfortunately your options right. for that are limited right now, mm-hmm. but there are things that you can do. Hopefully you have a room or a, a place, even a seat that feels like it's yours. And from that place, um, you can start to do something that feels like growth, something that move, feels like you're moving in a positive direction. And I think that that will aid you in these uh, tenser moments. Yeah. I, I just occurred to me while you were saying that I did a visualization with a client last week um, where I had her imagine the the part of her that felt like it needed to be kind of protected from that, from, you know, the toxic environment or in, in mm-hmm. your case or in her case, it was um, anxiety that she feels when she kind of takes on other people's emotions. Um, so I had her feel into that place and then in her mind construct around that place um, basically a protective kind of suit of armor, Um, something that is firm and supportive and secure but somewhat breathable so that it's not too rigidly defended against the thing, but that she can then just kind of create that. It's sort of like thresholding. It's, It's... you create that threshold or that boundary between yourself and the thing that's that's aggravating that sensitive part of you and you just close your eyes and then once you have a clear picture of what it is through spending some time creating it, you can, before you walk into a situation with your mom, you can close your eyes and just sort of in your mind's eye, imagine yourself suiting up with that suit of armor and feeling, you know, a place like your heart, for example, um, feeling somewhat protected as you walk into that interaction. Visualization is a really, really powerful and underutilized 
self-help tool, I think. It has so much potential. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Um, do you have any last advice for Lana 077? <sighs> Lana, stay strong. Keep up, keep up the good work. I know you're fighting a really hard fight right now. And I hope that we've provided some stuff for you to at least try and improve your circumstances just that little bit so that you can keep pushing through and get to the end of this quarantine. Mm-hmm. And you may take comfort in knowing that there are other people going through similar situations, yeah. such as our next, next question asker, Rem Sheena, Rem S-H-I-I-N-A, says, my Muslim family forces me to fast, but mm. I can't study like this. I am a 17-year-old atheist girl. My family doesn't know about the atheism part, I assume. And my family are firm Muslims. I have to fast, but I can't study from hunger. And I have to study because of my important exams. When I told them about it, they said, don't study then. Religion is more important, etc. And I know this makes my mom sad. What should I do? Wow. Yeah, so this is a deep conflict in terms of what are your priorities for yourself and the way that you want to live your life and what are your parents or your religious communities priorities and values um when there's just that flat out disagreement it's very difficult to find you you know there's sort of the agree to disagree pathway there's the comply and feel bitterness and resentment and frustration there's it's a tough it's a tough path to walk i think i think at the end of the day you have to decide what is more important to you in light of the priorities that the people around you are suggesting yeah um, I think your strategy in this case is determined by what you think, um, what, what evidence points to, uh, the punishment being for having the conversation with the parents where you, if not come out as an atheist, um, declare that studying is more important than fasting to you. Um, if that seems like this is tough to uh, it's tough to figure out where uh, sorry i'm getting lost in the uh struggle of imagining your anxiety and then like mm. assuming things about your parents that i don't know mm. um if it seems that you would be unsupported and incapable of taking care of yourself in this situation for hinting at any kind of um, different values than what they share, then it may make sense to hide until you can get to a place of um, independence and then be able to study. And that might set you back sometime, maybe years, and it's not something that you want to deal with. Um, but I know that lots of people are in that unfortunate circumstance where their family um, enforces conformity so hard that if if somebody were to individuate themselves um, in a way that's unacceptable to the parents, 
and they might lose their basic needs that are met by their family, like a, a place to live. I hope that that's yeah. not your case. Yeah. Um, I think you can test the waters by um, just trying to explain what, what you want. And uh, I guess you've done that. Uh, I'd like to turn to Morgan because I'm, I'm running out of yeah. advice. This is tough for me. Yeah. And I think that how tough this is to answer this question points to how tough this dilemma is for you. Um, you know, it's not that we are sitting here with some perfect solution to your problem and, you know, this is an easy one. It's not. It's not. It's a huge, um, like, you know, the way that I started answering my question, which is just a conflict of values. And there really isn't a way around it. There's, it doesn't, it's, it seems that this may be something where you cannot please everyone. And at a certain point in your life, that has to be okay. Um, you have to think about what is studying worth to you? What is living by your own set of religious or, um, moral values. And I say religious, meaning whether your choice is to believe in God or not, whatever your position is, um, what kind of person at the end of the day, do you want to be, you are 17 and this is an age where you're stretching into a lot of new realms of independence, although you're still living in your parents' house. And like Rob said, you know, benefiting from probably a lot of what they provide for you. So that makes it really tough to, to balance that sense of, well, I'm still living in their household, but I'm also becoming an adult that's independent. And, you know, maybe you'll be going off to college or maybe you'll be moving out on your own. And it can be really awkward for families to come to terms with that. And that can create a lot of weird sticking points where they're trying to draw you back in and control you because they know that you're about to be independent and they're about to have much less control over you. And that can be really scary for parents. Um, so I think it come, it comes from a place of you evaluating what is more important to you. Is it more important to you to obey your parents for whatever reason, whether it's your relationship with them or what they provide you with, or is it more important to say, you know what, I've got a study, so I'm going to eat. And because I'm an atheist, I don't care about the consequences or I don't believe there are consequences. There's no right or wrong answer at the end of the day. It is just how does this action um, or behavior get me towards the person that I want to be in this world and help me to meet my objectives. And so getting really clear on what those objectives are and then being prepared for potentially the consequences of that. I, um, I have a bargaining strategy that I've uh, devised. I think if you can try to explain to your parents that, um, you are trapped between two worlds. Mm. Uh, I don't know how well this is going to work. I don't know your parents, but here's what I would try. And then I'll give you a backup plan. Um, that you're a part of one system that has unfortunately and um, uh, disrespectfully placed its exams 
at a time when uh, your other world has placed its uh, fasting period and you feel trapped by this um, and you want to respect the culture that your parents brought you up in, you could try bargaining and saying that you could fast after the exams are done if they're not a continuous thing. Um, and if that doesn't work, and then I think you can try to uh, smuggle food if you believe it's important. And if you don't think that that's possible because of quarantine or what's available in your house, um, you, as long as you're getting a big enough meal each day or even every other day, people's bodies can adapt to function pretty normally after a couple weeks on a, a, a reduced eating schedule. So it's still important for you to get 2,000 plus maybe calories a day, but you might have to get that all in one sitting. And I think just knowing that you can adjust and that some people, some very successful high-functioning doctors will eat one meal a day, um, after a couple weeks that can become the norm. I don't know if you have that time to adjust now for the studying, but your belief in how much you're affected by a lack of food will be somewhat a self-fulfilling prophecy. So if you mm -hmm. do find yourself stuck in a situation where you can't eat, at least having that knowledge that um, you will become better able to focus and you will adjust to it um, and having that belief that it, it is possible to study maybe at first at a reduced capacity because of hunger. Um, having that belief could make it a little better. Yeah. If you find yourself in that position. I think that's a great point about the mindset um, and how sometimes we can lock ourselves into these like self-fulfilling prophecies of if I can't do this, then I can't do that. And then it's true. Of course. <laughs> yeah. And if you think that you can, that's probably true too. Um, yeah. But I also, I, I also do kind of see it as a bit of a righteous protest in a way of. Sure. I'm definitely on the question asker side. Here. Yeah. Yeah. Like <sighs> participating in religious um, rites or, um, you know, rituals that, of a, of a religion that, that at the end of the day you don't believe in is, ugh, it just feels icky because it's like, you're just going through the motions and you're doing something that you don't agree with, uh, physically or physiologically or, or psychologically rather. Um, I mean, I remember I was brought up Roman Catholic and I told my mom that I didn't believe in God and didn't want to go on, uh, with the process. And she basically was like, well, go get confirmed and then do whatever you want. <laughs> and for anyone who knows the Catholic religion, confirmation is the, the, the religious ceremony or rite that you go through when you are confirming that you believe the thing <laughs> and adopting a Catholic name and you have a sponsor and you study it and you do this whole ceremony where you state your belief in this faith. Um, and so I felt this intense frustration and sense of, um, sacrilege really uh, of like, you're, you're making me go through this thing 
um, that says that I do believe in this thing when I don't as a, as a superficial metric of did I check the boxes of being a Catholic so that you can feel like, you know, okay, well, my daughter's Catholic, confirmed Catholic, so now I don't have to worry about it. She didn't care about, mm -hmm. she didn't actually care about my spiritual leanings. Um, and it can feel really frustrating to bump up against those walls of people that you disagree with. And, you know, I don't know what your parents' motivations are um, for wanting you to fast. I would, I would think that they would also care deeply about your academic performance and maybe, maybe there's a way, as Rob said, during the, the bargaining segment <laughs> of the advice to really put that choice out there in front of them and say, you know, I feel like you're making me choose between this and this, and I'm really mm -hmm. struggling with it can be really hard. But on the other hand, if you think you're going to go the route of smuggling food, maybe you don't make too big of a stink about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah um that's sort of the rebellious teen in me of like well if i know i'm gonna go against the rules anyway i might as well be quiet about it <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> it's a, again it's an assessment of of your parents that will help you to understand what the right way to proceed is for you um but you're you're so close you're so close to an age of greatly increased independence um eating just, whenever you want eating whenever you want believing whatever you want to believe yeah. um so you've just got a little bit longer to get through um and i just have so much empathy for your situation and i know that you will find the path that's that's right for you and carve it out with a variety of creative solves <laughs> yeah I want to recommend, um, if you have time for this or sometime in the future, uh, the series Cosmos, um, or anything that will give you examples of uh, people who were persecuted by religions for their atheist beliefs or their dif different values from the dominant culture. And um, to find a hero, maybe someone like Galileo, that you can think of uh, when you're having this struggle, just somebody to look up to who didn't believe what was the enforced belief at the time and found a way to struggle to uphold their principles. Um, yeah, I think it could be great to find someone like that that you can look up to. Oh, that's a great point. That's a great point. I mean, history is full of people who bucked tradition and discovered something great or led a movement. Um, I think that's, that's some really great advice. Some really great. And, and maybe, you know, another, another type of person that you could potentially confide in um, is if you have friends in other, in Muslim families that, you know, have had different experiences with trying to carve out their independence or deal with, differences in religious beliefs or maybe not even just Muslim families. But, you know, I told my story about Catholicism. It's, it's quite different, obviously, but, um, I, I think that there are a lot of people your age struggling with, with similar questions and asserting their own identities at the end of the day in the face of their parents who've raised them and have very specific ideas about how you should be. Um, mm -hmm. getting a variety of opinions and experiences to inform 
what you choose ultimately is not going to hurt. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're coming up on the end of our hour. Yeah. There are many more questions we could answer, but. I'm satisfied. We're not going to. Yeah, <laughs> we're, just, we're just not going to. <laughs> uh-uh. I hope other people answer them. Uh, yeah. 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 another solid dump solid dump (laughs) this was week 52 that's the number of weeks in a year yeah we've been at this for over a year yeah we took a little hiatus we've taken some weeks off here and there for vacation and things yeah everybody deserves a break Um, Mm -hmm. But we are just plugging away week by week, trying to give you guys content, trying to answer your questions. And if you have anything you want to share with us, whether it's a question or a comment, we would love to hear from you at freeadvicepodcast at gmail.com. Yep. Yeah. We're going to keep coming back and keeping you company week after week. Yep. So don't worry about that. There's a lot to worry There's about. There's a lot right to now, worry about, but that's that doesn't have to be something on the list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there'll be an hour that you can let us think for you and put words in your head. If you don't feel like having your own words in your head, you want to see things mm. through a different perspective. Okay. Here's Robin Morgan. Yeah. Let's see what they have to say. Let's see the points mm-hmm. where I disagree with them and or the points where I think like, hey, that's a good idea. Which I might try probably that. Probably gonna be few. <laughs> right. We we are pretty great. <laughs> we give great advice, very palatable. <laughs> very agreeable. <laughs> um but yeah. Yeah. Well, we hope you you enjoyed this particular hour and mm-hmm. we look forward to seeing you next week. My challenge is throughout the next week. Keep a tally of what's the best thing that you smelled. Ooh. If you have a working sense of smell, just think, okay, current number one is that popcorn, and then see if something dethrones it. I like the smell of like summer air. Summer air. Yeah. Where? Um, you know, I smell it sometimes. I have a little window in my bathroom. And there's something, I guess, about that where when I go to the bathroom in the middle of the day, now that it's like warmer weather here in Los Angeles, it just smells good in there. It smells mm. fresh, uh, naturey. It's there's there's just like a slightly more rich, fragrant, qua- fragrant quality to the air. I like the smell of dirt mm. around my plants. I'm gonna go smell that next time I'm near them. Sounds great. That sounds great. Give your favorite smell an extra hearty sniff for us. Yeah. All right, everyone. Good night. Sleep tight. (laughs) Don't let the bed bugs bite.